This morning's message is a spiritual house cleaning. A spiritual house cleaning. We're going to be looking specifically at John chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Verses 13 to 23. And a lot of those verses will be on the slides as well as we go through it today. Question this morning. When do you do uh, a major uh, spring house cleaning? Oh, I just gave it away. (laughs) My wife says I always make obvious statements. She's right. (laughs) Typically not right now, unless you were at 30 degrees below a week ago and now 60 degrees above a week later. And on Friday, I decided to do a house clean of my car, which was just a mess from all of the snow and all of the salt. And uh, so I swept it out at home, and then I took it to Sunbury, to uh, to the car wash behind UDF, and there must have been an hour wait. Everybody else wanted to clean their car as well. So I said, you know what? I can do this at home. And so I drove home. And I hooked up my garden hose, and I got about half of the car washed when uh, the garden hose burst. <clears throat> and so I went and found another garden hose, and I hooked it up, and it burst. And in the middle of all of that, the f- faucet seemed to quit working, and, then the s- and so I hooked it up to another spigot, and it started spewing brown water. And so finally, uh, on the third hose... I finally got the job done, but not before I had to repent to the Lord and to my wife (laughs) for getting in the flesh on more than one occasion, and by the way, it probably was not in that order. (laughs) House cleaning, probably not right now, but once spring comes, we're going to dust and we're going to wash windows and we're going to declutter and we're going to power spray and we're going to clean the garage. But probably not yet. But truthfully, 2023 today is a great day for a spiritual house cleaning. Amen? Our tendency, of course, at New Year's is to make resolutions. Resolutions like give up all my food and starve to death diet. (laughs) Buffet my body uh, until I pass out exercise plan. Or uh, I'm going to read the Bible in a week plan. We do these crazy things and think we're going to follow through, and we really struggle. But truthfully, statistics tell us that only about 8% of people are able to follow through on their resolutions. So instead, let's do something that lasts, and that's a spiritual house cleaning, where we say, Lord, here I am. I open my heart to you. Examine me. Help me in what I say, do, watch, listen to attitude of heart and of mind in my God-given goals for this year ahead. Lord, get rid of the junk. Get rid of the clutter. Lord, clean me. Accomplish your work in me and let my light shine to a lost world around me. Amen? So I want to submit this morning that that's what we need to do. And here's the good news today. Jesus is still in the house cleaning business. Look at your neighbor and say that right now. Go. So there was a day in Jesus' ministry when he did a physical house cleaning. But as always, he was getting to the heart 
of the matter. So without further ado, let's check it out. Here we go. We're looking at John chapter 2, a spiritual house cleaning. We're going to look at three things today. His mission, his authority, his promise. There's no blanks on the back because we, I figured we'd all be too tired to worry about blanks today. So we're just going to go for it. Let's start with his mission. Look on the screen or in your Bible, verses 13 to 17 of chapter 2 of John. The Jewish Passover was near. And so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Every time you see that in the Bible, up is, ref- is referring to that elevated uh, geographical place where Ju- Jerusalem is located. You go up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling ox, sheep, doves. He also found the money changers sitting there. After making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers, coins, and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning the Father's house into a marketplace. And the disciples remembered this and what it was written, that their zeal for your house and it will consume you. So here's Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. He had just performed his first miracle, and that was turning the water into wine. Exactly. Good job. And now he cleans the temple. This is one of two times that he clears out the temple, beginning of the ministry and later on at the end of his ministry, after his triumphal entry, he would do it again. And so He does this thing, and what happened? What was going on? Well, there were people exchanging Roman coins for shekels at an escalated price. Uh, There were folks selling doves uh, that were hard to come by and gouging the poor. They were selling cattle with intent to make a profit as well. And because of his love for the marginalized and for his uh, great heart for what was going on in the temple and his heart for the temple, he went into house cleaning mode. This was not Jesus, meek and mild, but this was a righteous hurricane on display. Amazing. Folks, listen to me. There are times where there's place for righteous anger, where we see injustice, wrongs that need righted, whether it's Uh, unborn babies being killed, whether it's the genital mutilation of our uh, elementary age children, whether it's the sex trafficking of our teenagers, there's a place for righteous anger. Yes, done in truth. Yes, done in love. But we are motivated to make a difference, to find a solution, and to be those world changers. My uh, daughter, Brittany, has a heart for foster care, and she helps in a ministry and, and uh, helps to come alongside the parents and encourage them in that great task that they've taken on. And her, she says, hey, I'm pro-life, but if I'm pro-life, I want to be pro-life all the way from conception all the way to getting those little kiddos into adulthood one day. And she is a force of nature. There's room for us to find that God-given heart and passion and place to make that difference, even with that kind of righteousness. But let's talk for a minute about the temple. So this is, here they are in the physical temple. 
Jesus is cleaning house, kicking everybody out. And uh, we're reminded of a couple things. First of all, God dwelt with Adam and Eve in the garden until sin, until they were removed from the garden. Later on, a temporary tent called the tabernacle was made, and that was with Exodus, uh, with the uh, Israelites in the Exodus, in the, uh, in the desert. And God dwelt there among his people. But that was temporal. Finally, Solomon built the temple, the Solomon temple, the permanent place. Later on, some years later, where the Shekinah glory of God filled that place and came down. Uh, but then it was damaged by, during the Babylonian exile. And Zerubbabel came back during that time to make repairs. But finally, a beautiful edifice was finalized during the time of Herod, during Jesus' day. So the question is, oh, and that was, of course, destroyed on A.D. Good job, scholars. A.D. 70, that was destroyed. No temple today. But where is the temple today? Well, the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16, your body is the spiritual temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, and he's still in the house cleaning business. Now, make no mistake about it. There will be a temple uh, of some sort during the tribulation period. There will be a millennial temple during the reign of Christ. And there will be a final temple, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, that perfect cube and square, as all the temples have been designed, when Jesus makes everything brand new one day and will dwell with him for all of eternity. So hallelujah for that. But right now, the temple is in you. And Ephesians eleven sixteen says that... God's goal for us is that we be built up and that we mature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 reminds us that he wants to purify us. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says he wants to make us more and more holy. The good news is this this morning. In position, you are holy, Christian. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, he's cleansed you, he's forgiven you, He's imputed his righteousness to you, and the way he sees you is as holy. We used to sing a song back in the 90s based on 1 Peter 2, 9, and we sang this. We are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a holy nation. You remember that song, anybody at all? But that's what we are. We're holy in the sight of God. That was free of charge, by the way. But in practice, we ain't done yet. God's still cleaning house. God's still growing us every single day. The Philippians 1-6 process is still in place where it says, He who has begun a good work in you is able to complete it. Is that the truth? And so we still respond to the light of His Word. We yield to the power of His Spirit as He takes the sword and cuts through the bone and the marrow to the very intent of our heart every single day. Uh, we continue to confess and repent and be restored to that right place with Him on the throne of our hearts. And then He empowers us through the Holy Spirit with the fruit of love that spills out to a lost world around us. That's the process. <clears throat> Recently, I was mad at somebody. Can you believe that? I was just flat 
kind of ticked off. I mean, I was hoping, you know, there'd be a leak in their tire or might run out of gas on the way home. So, you know, some really bad things like that. Truthfully, wouldn't you know it, during my own personal quiet time, the Lord convicted me. And he said, you're supposed to love that person. I said, oh, Lord, I don't want to. <laughs> he said, Joe, suck it up. <laughs> I'll help you. I'll give you the power to do it. I said, Lord, okay, I confess. I repent. Fill me. Help me to love that person. Change my heart. And God did it in that special way. Listen to me. Every single day, I pray the scary prayer and ask the Lord to examine my heart. That's a scary prayer. But every day I say, Lord, all right, I open my heart to you. Turn on the flashlight. Show me what needs to change. Continue to make me that person you want me to be. But that's where we need disciplines in our lives. I, I didn't say the, the other word. What is that called on New Year's Day? I just forgot. Yeah, those things. Disciplines. That's where I have, in my life, I have that daily quiet time. I have that daily prayer time that I've set aside. And with God's help, I try to meet him every single day because I need it desperately. And it's during that time that much of that informational stuff about me, God exposes. And then he begins to work on my heart. And he gets out the sword. And the Holy Spirit helps me. And he continues to work on me to make him, myself more and more like him. So I want to challenge you today that if you're not having that regular quiet time, Pastor Scott right now is offering a 90 days through the New Testament. That's a lot better than one week through the whole Bible. All right? That's something we can probably chunk off and do. And that might be a jump start for you in getting into that routine of that daily quiet time with the Lord. Throughout 2023, we're going to offer our classes, class 101, 201, 301, 401. Many of you been th have been through those. In fact, if you've been through at least one of those classes, raise your hand right now. Look at that. Look at that. That is incredible this morning. But continue to move around the bases, base one, two, three, and four, all the way to a home run to class 401, because it's through those classes that will teach you the biblical tools to continue to help you grow closer in your walk with Jesus Christ. But that is the Lord's mission, to make you more and more like Jesus. Amen, church? Every single day. That's his mission. Now let's look at his authority. Continuing on, uh, the verses are on the screen this morning, verses 18 to 22. So the Jews replied to him, what sign will you show us? If it's your Bible, go ahead and circle that phrase, what sign. What sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, <clears throat> the temple, speaking of Herod's temple, right? took how many? 46 years to build. And, I'm, and you're going to raise it up in three days. But of course, verse 21, Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he, what he had said. And they believed the scripture and the statement Jesus had made. Truthfully, people are always looking for a sign. Amen? Lord, prove yourself. Prove that you're legit. Prove that your word is the truth. Moses asked for a sign. Uh, Gideon asked for a sign. Jesus 
gave signs, miracles. So signs are not necessarily wrong, but when God has given a sign and it's sufficient and people still don't believe, then Houston, we have a problem. And that was what was going on with these Pharisees at that time. So a couple of reminders. God has given us signs. Romans chapter 1 tells us that His law is written on our hearts, that we know down deep what's right and wrong. Listen, I know that it's wrong to steal because I don't want anyone stealing from me. (laughs) I know it's wrong to commit adultery because I don't want anyone taking my wife. The cannibals in Papua New Guinea know it's wrong to eat somebody because they don't want to be eaten. Say amen. God has written his laws on our heart. We know down deep what's right and wrong because of the golden rule. We don't want it done to us. We understand that. So we have signs, but also he's given exterior signs, and that is his creation. Look on the screen, if you would, for a minute. The uh, magazine, The Aviationist, one of the world's most authoritative and read military aviation websites said this about this picture. Not a Christian organization, by the way. (laughs) These are pictures that don't need comment. This one allows us to talk about the B-2's famous hawkbeak profile that seems to be inspired by Mother Nature. That's what the aviationist had to say. Biblical creation profile on Facebook said it like this. The B-2 bomber was modeled after the Peregrine Falcon. A genius designer will always inspire copycats. And guys, we can only copy what God has already made perfectly. Creation shouts out over and again. His fingerprints are all over. But look at the next slide, if you would. And how about inwardly how we are made? Let me read this for you if I could. The human brain is made up of 100 billion neurons, nearly 100 trillion synopses. There's more than 300 times more connections in the brain than there are stars in the Milky Way, Galilee. Amazing. We are without excuse. The design of our creator is on display. But in the meanwhile, these religious leaders were asking for a sign. This was not informational. They were challenging his authority to clean the temple. Amen? They said, prove you have the authority. And said, Jesus, okay. Said, I'm going to tear this temple down and build it up in three days. They were confused about what he meant. But ultimately, he was referring to his burial, his death, his resurrection. Those future acts would prove his final authority when he rose back from the dead, that he was incarnate, the ultimate son of God, the fully God, fully man, and he had authority to clean house. (laughs) He was proving what he did. Once you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, your heart, your life, your will to his authority, then we invite him to turn on the flashlight to get rid of the junk and replace with the new. What does that look like? It's not on the screen, but let me just read you some highlights from Ephesians chapter 4, 22 to 32. Put away lying. Instead, speak the truth to your neighbor. 
Be angry, but do not sin. Let the thief no longer steal, but instead work honestly with his own hands. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what's good for building up, right? Get rid, put on. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you with, along with all malice. And instead, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Get rid of the old, put on the new, open up your hearts. Lord, clean me up <laughs> from the inside out. Amen, church? <clears throat> I recently walked into our bathroom. <clears throat> and it didn't look very good. I didn't smell very good. What do you think I did? Call bathroom busters? Ask my wife to clean it? You think I'm stupid? <laughs> I got out the cleaning brush, and I took care of it. And that's what we're saying. Lord, get out the cleaning brush. Take care of us. Clean us from the inside out. Make us more and more who you want us to be. Are we going to be perfect? Are we going to fall flat? Do we still battle the old flesh? Yeah, I sure do, especially when my hoses keep bursting. <laughs> Folks, listen, you've heard this before. In this world, we will not be sinless, but with Christ's help, we will sin less. That's the holiness, sanctification promise in us. That's his authority. We've looked at his mission. We've looked at his authority. One more this morning. Number three, let's look at his promise. Look at his promise. Finally, as we come to verse 23, <clears throat> while he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many did what? If it's your Bible, circle that. Believed in his name when they saw those signs that he was doing. So Jesus did his part. He declared who he, he was. He did that through the signs he performed, through the words that he spoke, through the righteous life that he lived. And those signs did their job and people responded and came to faith in Jesus Christ. But there was a promise made even all the way back in the garden on that day when Adam and Eve sinned, and God promised one day a rescuer. And that rescuer would come, and the old evil one would nip at his heel, but Jesus would stomp on his head. And he did that on the cross, and when he rose again. And because of that, we have power, and we have victory over sin, and death, and the grave, and the promise of newness of life, and the ability to resist sin and to walk in holiness. The promise that God would set us apart his people, his chosen generation, reflecting his light, just like the moon reflects the sun. Amen, church? It's a beautiful thing. You know, there's an old gospel song, and uh, I will not sing this one. But it said, I catch them, God cleans them, heaven knows he saves every soul that believes them, I reel them in, and he washes away their sin. The truth of the matter is God does both of those things. The Holy Spirit draws us. He woos us. He brings us into relationship. He saves us. He cleans us up. And he begins the process of sanctification to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the good news this morning. 
He uses us in the process. We're the hands. We're the, ha- we're the feet of Christ. We're the ones that go. Some of you did the Operation Christmas Cookie this past season and went to your neighbors and gave them a sweet treat, invited them to uh, Christmas Eve services in the middle of a level three snowstorm. <laughs> but to say honestly, that level three did not kick in until we had already started church. Just letting you know, I was keeping a close eye on it. <laughs> but we, God uses us to draw them in. And then God even uses us to help clean them up, although he's the Lord of the process. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 reminds us that we are to spur one another on to good works, but it's done in the context of us not forsaking the gathering together of believers. We come together. Iron sharpens iron. We spur one another one on. We admonish one another. We encourage one another. And God uses us to help us grow in the process. I remember seven years old, Sunday school teacher telling me I was a little sinner and needed a savior. I remember a few weeks later the excitement of my baptism going under that water at that little church in New Bremen, Ohio. I remember falling in love with the Word of God in the fourth grade as I lay there in Bowling Green on our living room floor and reading the Word of God and becoming infatuated with it. I remember in the fifth grade going to a church and going to Sunday school and doing bulletin boards, helping to decorate bulletin boards. And I said to my parents, I want to go to a church where they teach the Word of God. (laughs) And mom and dad left that church. (laughs) To this day, mom blames that on me. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) What am I saying this morning? I've seen God's hand on the house cleaning business of my life from the very beginning. And he's not done yet. And he's not done with you yet. And he's made that promise that that's what he's going to do in your life as you submit to his way and his will and let him make you that person he wants you to be. So here's my question in closing today. Are you ready to submit to your Savior and let him clean your house? (laughs) Are you willing in 2023, I just did a flashback, not 1923, 2023, submit to his work, his Holy Spirit work in your life. In closing today, I want to make a statement. I'm so stupid. I picked these dumb personal things. So on the back of your outline, your dash is what matters. Your dash is what matters. You look at a tombstone, there's a birth date. There's a passing date. And there's a dash in the middle. And that's what matters, right? That's your lifespan. That's the 70, 80, 90 possibly representation of your life. And how did you live it? How how did you walk with the Lord? What does that look like, that lifespan, those 70, 80, 90 years? I love what Pastor Frank says. He says that that dash represents practice for eternity. Are we ready? Do we have our eyes on the eastern sky? Are we living for the Lord today, but keeping that right eye looking out for him? The dash matters.